Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the It's Become a Whole Thing podcast with me, your host, Emily Rose, where we take a subversive look at all the celebrity gossip you want and some you never knew you needed. We'll take a deep dive into the hidden meanings of what's really going on in the world of pop culture, because here we contain multitudes and read between the lines. Join me. Welcome back to the millions of new listeners. We have so many new faces. So exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, you guys, we're finally here. (laughs) (laughs) with our uncut downs (laughs) you can't stop yourself you cannot help yourself no anywhere (laughs) where there were previously like a few fleeting thoughts and a few brain cells just struggling to make them now it's just uncut downs (laughs) (laughs) but I feel like that's in the zeitgeist now Yeah, I mean, she really does have a very unique way of speaking with that, like, vocal fry that just trails off to infinity. Well, and I think she's just trolling us with everything she does. You think it was performance art when she said, uncut jam? Well, she commented on one of the accounts and said, guys, relax. I was just stoned. Like, leave leave me be, but like, with a bunch of laughing emojis. And I was like, I just think that, for better or for worse, she is trolling. Sure. I mean... Like when they say no bad press, like what is it? All press is good press. Like something neutral, like someone wore a bad outfit or said something kind of silly in an interview is good press. That is just getting your name out there in a way that's not toxic to your brand. And a lot of people love attention and try to generate it, but she's just very good at it. Um, Okay. So shall we get into our deep dive today? Dak Shepard and Kristen Bell, take it away, Sam. I'm so pleased to be here to take it away because since we recorded our episode, they did make another headline, um, kind of an iconic BuzzFeed headline that yeah. went viral. We got a lot of messages about this. Yeah, we we only recorded our episode, I think, like two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, but they're back at it, back in the press, being radically honest about their relationship. <laughs> they truly can't help themselves. Um, this was the headline. 
Kristen and Dax revealed that their whole family sleeps in the same bedroom, but they're so gassy that they didn't realize there was a rotting smell coming from their mattress pad. (laughs) Um, I actually listened to that pod like when it came out because my Spotify algorithm was like, oh, you'll be interested in this. Like, because I listened to their freaking podcast for the research for the other one. So I listened to the pod. I heard <laughs> the whole story and yeah, they reveal that their seven and eight year old daughters sleep on the floor of their room and they all watch TV together and go to sleep together every night. And like, we're not parents, so we can't really get into, is, is it normal? Is it not normal? It's all sleep in one room. Um, you know, but their kids are in the third and fourth grade. So my instinct kind of says no, but I mean, maybe they're cooler than most parents. So their kids are like obsessed with them. No, what do you think? Um, I mean, the thought of like never being able to have sex again or like having to <laughs> like do it in the closet of your own home seems unappealing to me. Uh, yeah. But to each their own. I mean, really, that's my first thought is like, sure, time with your kids, but like you spend all day with them. And also, we didn't really mention this in the in the main like podcast, but I remember Kristen Bell saying at one point that they had a, a policy sometimes when their kids were going crazy of locking them in their room and like the, they had a lock on the outside of the door and they kind of got in trouble for that oh really yeah and I was like I could see that I mean we've both babysat a lot and been driven crazy we haven't locked any kids in rooms and there's they're not ours um to to do that with but I to go from like being so sick of your kids that you lock them in a little jail cell of their room while they're and she said while they're like pounding on the door and then eventually they just calm down then after a while they let them out to go from that to like you're with them all night I mean yeah okay they're with them all night that's probably the only time of the day that they see them to be honest because like they are both working and like they probably have nannies and like all that like I don't know but probably um but yeah it is still yeah it's not for me it's just not a choice I would make whatever if they're all happy together great for them I want to refrain from getting too far into any sort of judgment because for me no it seems crazy but before I was doing a ton of nannying I was like oh screen time is bad for kids and then (laughs) you're with them 40 hours a week and you're like oh my god just sit in front of your poco yo and shut the fuck up (laughs) yeah oh god yeah anything to distract them and get some quiet peaceful time Um, yeah, there's a lot of things that you kind of say like, oh, I won't do this. I won't do that. But then like when things get so hard, you kind of just break down and allow it. And maybe that's how this all came about with them sleeping in the same room. But anyway, that is just an aside because the main part of the story is that one night Kristen was like, okay, I smell burning garbage. And the whole family was like, okay, well I'm farting. (laughs) She was like, all right, well maybe it's just three to four people all farting at once in one bedroom. But where does the rotting smell from the mattress come in? How did that happen? Well, I'm getting to that. So then. (laughs) Wait, okay. There's layers to this story. (laughs) So then after days of looking for the source of the smell, they finally discovered that their mattress pad, which is called an Uller and it heats and cools water. Um, So I guess like Dax one day was like half asleep and poured his protein shake into it instead of water. (gasps) Um, <laughs> Wait, he poured it into his mattress? Yeah, like because he sometimes would like pour a glass. You have to like re-up the water sometimes or something. Oh. So he like normally poured a glass of water, but this time he poured a protein shake. So it was cycling through this whole mattress pad and rotting for weeks. Um, yeah, 
So long story short, they tried to clean it, but they'll probably have to throw it away. It's like $1,500, which made me really sad because I want one now. Just some like milk byproducts and supplements just fermenting away in your mattress. (laughs) But you don't even notice because you're so stinky as a family. (laughs) Damn. Yeah. Um, I guess their podcast has been like a safe space for celebrities to like share how dirty their kids are because it was on with them that Mila and Ashton Kutcher said that they only watch their kids when they're visibly dirty, <laughs> when they see dirt on them. Is the only I, time they watch I'm, I have a conspiracy theory about that. <laughs> okay. What is it? Based on a TikTok that I saw. <laughs> I'm not even... I'm not even bothering anymore to say like from some research I did. It's just from a TikTok <laughs> that I saw. But it was <laughs> it was talking about it was showing that interview and then showing all the pro CIA posts that Ashton Kutcher has made and like including like a a picture he posted on his Twitter where he's like wearing a CIA hat and has a mug and he's like it's like it's not government it's like CIA. He's like I love the people that serve and protect us and and works with them potentially. But so <laughs> it's okay. okay, okay tie okay. this together for me. So make it make sense. So I'm gonna go back for a second. This is not as outlandish as it may seem because <laughs> the CIA does work with the film industry to make uh war propaganda. That's not a secret, that's very out in the open. Like Michael yeah. Bay basically has like his own, probably has his own corner office, like in the CIA. That is a you know, the CIA and, and Hollywood yeah. admit to that. Of it's course, open. yeah. But so there was this <laughs> conspiracy going around where it was like they're they're getting people to brace themselves for water shortages in California by priming them by being like, yeah, we don't bathe our kids because then it was like they said that. And then a bunch of other celebrities were like, yeah, we don't bathe our kids either. Yeah, they only when they got some stink to them, do, do we bathe them? And I was like, we've known some granola parents and I've never <laughs> met parents that say that they only bathe them when there's visible dirt. Yeah, visible dirt, like mo- <laughs> like to a place of visible soil. And then do you spot clean or like does the then does they get a full scrub, you know? <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> but yeah, so they were saying that someone was saying that Ashton Kutcher was just priming us <laughs> for water shortages. <laughs> That's brilliant. Okay, that that is like five-dimensional chess. <laughs> chestnut checkers baby i am fucking obsessed with that um yeah amazing get into it someone said our killer theories were conspiracy were a wild conspiracy and outlet so i'm like if if that's a conspiracy then all right i guess i'm red pilled we're doubling down and this is just a conspiracy pod now I need to bring it back to another conspiracy that I have um, about the Uller mattress. Like, was this whole story just sort of like spawn con for this Uller mattress pad? Because hearing the story, I was like, wait, like I was obsessed with my waterbed that I had when I was growing up. And then one day my dad unceremoniously threw it out when I was at school because did he, he said, puncture it? <laughs> I, I, I remember it as him like stabbing it and leaving it like shredded on the stoop. I don't know exactly what happened, but he just was like, Oh, I heard it's bad for people's backs. I got rid of it. Um, and I have never had such a peaceful sleep as I did floating on a motionless warm water bed. I'm not over that trauma. So like Uller mattress pad, like please sponsor us. We will go to the mat for you. We will be doing nonstop, like organic mentions. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> 
Okay, Uller Mattress sponsor Sam, but not me, because my memories of waterbeds are um growing up, we lived in an apartment and my parents had a waterbed and it burst twice. It leaked tw- twice, like when they weren't home, and it flooded the downstairs neighbor's apartment. Oh my god. But they stuck with it. Like they like fixed they it. They patched re- it up, refilled it, and then it flooded again. Once they're punctured, they're garbage. Like you can't patch that. But <laughs> anyway, done. aside from that, getting into our sponsor, Uller Mattress is a bit. <laughs> when I do research on Dax and Kristen, I cannot believe how much SpawnCon is on their Instagrams. Kristen's Instagram is like 90% SpawnCon. She is a Hollywood actress. Like that is weird to me. Does she need the cash? What's going on? Are they like gambling addicts? Like, isn't every celebrity advertising stuff you don't see like jennifer aniston on her instagram being like hey guys i'm so glad that chrysler has helped me uh jennifer smartwater and <laughs> aniston like yeah but she does commercials that's true that's true. not there's a level between instagram influencer and hollywood celebrity that gets actual avino campaigns on tv that's true i guess yeah they've they've got that chris jenner mentality where it's like you got to keep hustling, sell whatever. Like I am obsessed with Kris Jenner's new partnership with Walmart and like the photos, the, like glam photos she took in front of Walmart being like cleaning products now in Walmart. Walmart would love to <laughs> shop there. I'm like, sure you do, Chris. <laughs> I haven't seen those, but I'll have to look them up. They haunt me. I, I posted it and I said, this is my sleep paralysis demon. Like it's just her, it's her face tune for the gods posing in front of a Walmart, just smiling <laughs> and I, I'm guessing and it's an ad for her cleaning products anyhow so yeah but she has infinite wealth and she's always doing shit like that yeah I too. guess it's like the, the bottomless need but I just think it tarnishes Kristen's brand a bit to be doing Instagram influencing question what tarnishes it more the constant spawn con or the constant radically honest airing out all their fights on <laughs> That, that's a good point that's a question that we explore in this week's episode the Daxi yes. Kristen episode oh yeah and this week's patreon episode is about the one and only azalea banks so buckle up for that one <laughs> we'll put a little sneak peek uh at the end of the episode and we've reduced the fee of the patreon from seven dollars to now only five dollars you get an extra episode every week so if you're in the seven dollar tier right now patreon won't let me reduce the price so just head over and you can reduce yourself to the lower tier and you'll still get access to all the episodes and last last thing just a content warning we mentioned woodstock 99 in this uh in this episode and it's got some heavier themes so i'll put more about that in the episode description shall we get into it yeah let's get into it okay and we're back in the studio we're gathered here today to talk about the holy union of one dak shepherd and Kristen bell (laughs) arguably america's sweethearts arguably the most annoying couple in the world (laughs) undisputed couple goals (laughs) (laughs) this actually has been uh, a highly requested couple and I think for good reason because I think they're very polarizing I think people do tend to fall uh, very much on either they absolutely love them or they find them absolutely cringeworthy yeah insufferable totally (laughs) they are a polarizing couple the press makes such a big deal out of every comment that they make about each other and about their relationship 
And I think that's because they've like chosen to put themselves out there so much and discuss their relationships so openly and like with so much honesty that it's almost kind of like, uh, maybe keep that to yourself. <laughs> well, that's what, that's why they're polarizing is because they're so kind of in our faces and they're always doing interviews about the nature of their relationship, not just on Dax's podcast, but like on, you know, daytime talk shows and red carpets and everywhere. And they get so personal with the details that it's like, you know, you're kind of, if you tune into pop culture, you're left with no choice, but to form an opinion because <laughs> they're there, they're doing they're pounding the pavement. Totally. They get like headlines, they get Google alerts. Like they are headline makers with just like them discussing their like stupid fights and shit. And yeah. Which it's interesting because that wasn't always the case. You know, they've been together for 12 years and it's not like we've had 12 years of them talking about their day-to-day relationship. But I do wonder if there was some sort of purposeful plan that relates back to Dax's podcast, because Mm. there was a couple of years where they kind of started, like they started getting into their marriage. Like I remember seeing the first interview and I was like, oh, that's refreshing. And then, you know, you see five, 10 more (laughs) talking about how hard it is. (laughs) We love each other and we fight like crazy. (laughs) You're like, oh, okay. The downs are incredibly challenging and break you down to your absolute bones. And then the highs are brief, but (laughs) I pack my bags every other day. Don't we all? true yeah but then so there was this lead up where they were talking about this and then Dax came out with his podcast which is like armchair expert and it sort of revolves around this whole we're going to be radically honest about everything and talk about the psychology and the the flaws of everyone kind of podcast yeah and it's a really successful podcast like it's it's consistently in the top 10 overall podcasts and I I think when like I'm just going to go ahead and call him a, a B-list celebrity. Like yeah. I think when like B-listers come out with their own podcast, like the office ladies, even like Conan O'Brien, who I love, but kind of isn't getting as much work these days. And like, who else? I mean, Casey Wilson, whom I'm obsessed with has bitch sesh. Um, she just doesn't like, they just don't work that much these kind of celebrities, but they, if they do a podcast, it like soars to the top of the charts because they're like podcast royalty compared to like podcasters who are just bachelor nation like you and I, or, <laughs> yeah, or, or all the members of bachelor nation who every single one of them has a podcast. <laughs> yeah. And like they, they can, some of them can barely string a sentence together. So like, I can only imagine like, but at least like, I understand that Dax Shepard is not like, he's not an idiot. Like he's able to like carry these conversations and stuff but like I found it a bit painful to listen to his podcast for research for this it was not my cup of tea um have you listened to it uh no I'm just grateful for you for getting in the trenches for rolling up your sleeves and listening because I couldn't I mean I've heard 30 second sound bites and I'm like I've I've heard enough <laughs> I don't really yeah I was out there doing the primary sources <laughs> deep dive for it I was going straight <laughs> to the heart of it and I was like oh my god this guy like um, but I, I was more, I was more skimming like chuggy Buzzfeed articles being like <laughs> 32 times that Kristen and Dax <laughs> were couple goals and talked and been realistic <laughs> about marriage, <laughs> but, but it is interesting in my mind, they're very much in the same sphere as, um, as Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively. They're both- I think they're like the evil version of Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively. <laughs> you think why why do you think that I I guess I just like I absolutely hate Ryan Reynolds like 
joke style of negging Blake all the time online. I think it's so chuggy to borrow your word, <laughs> like not funny and lame, but at least they don't go out there being like, I uh, held a knife to his throat the other day. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh my Lord. Like they, they don't discuss their fights to the point that their fights sound like truly frightening and unhealthy. So I guess like I would say Dax and Kristen might have a, a darker relationship or at least one that they let us see who knows what goes on between Blake and Ryan. So, well, okay. So this is my toxic trait coming out, but <laughs> I would rather listen to people talk about their unhealthy relationship than listen to people being like the Ryan Reynolds, like if there was a house fire, my wife would be the 30th thing I would grab. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care at all. No. Just kidding. I hate that. It makes my skin crawl. And I'd seen kind of things here and there, but then I made a video about them. And in doing so, in that research, I came across a cottage industry dedicated to talking about them roasting each other. And it is the depths of hetero hell to me. Yeah, the roasts are not funny to me either. Um, no. And, and I mean, like, whatever, that's their banter. It's not harming anyone. But it's the more it's the celebrating it as if it's this revolutionary comedic <laughs> 40 times they hilariously savagely roast each other and it's like <laughs> and it's like uh, posting an unflattering photo of each other being like happy and, anniversary <laughs> and he roasts her more like she she tries to give it back to him a bit online and i think they're both getting someone to write these like mediocre roast captions but like his are his strike me as meaner i i don't even i find them all equally unfunny and yeah, all enough. kind of I mean, I don't find them even particularly mean, but just more rooted in this old school dynamic of like the sitcoms we grew up with where it's like, I'm a bumbling husband. This is my wife that I hate. And like, yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, we got our kids and we got our home and here we are. <laughs> like <laughs> the old ball and chain. Yeah, yeah. The, exactly. The old ball, you know, the misses, you know, like yeah. that sort of humor. And we luckily don't have like those sitcoms as much anymore or at mm -hmm. all. Um, but then it sort of took, it went to Twitter where if you said something like make in 2014, let's say it was like peak Twitter humor to be like, I hate my wife. <laughs> Here's a photo mm -hmm. of me picking her nose. That was, that was like sensational. And we all laughed. And then I feel like we've moved past that. But then with them, it's, you know, I don't know if the bar is just so low for comedy and for straight couples and <laughs> who are like, oh, yeah, the bar is in hell. And both of those men are considered like desirable, which is something I don't get <laughs> questionable. OK, so I have a question for you. <laughs> OK, so when I posted about their humor and how unfunny I find it is. I had someone comment and say, actually, Ryan Reynolds is Canadian and that's Canadian humor. <laughs> I <you> love that. <laughs> Someone's Canadian splaining to you what it's like <gasps> to be Canadian. <laughs> I <laughs> was, I was like, we're well, both um, Canadian through and through. <laughs> but what do you think about that being Canadian, quote, Canadian humor? I don't know if they, they think that Canadians are like extra sarcastic or that we have maybe a dry sense of humor or that we like to roast each other a lot. Um, never heard that one. I, I, I guess I'll have to reflect on myself. I don't really know. Yeah. I mean, this was news. <laughs> maybe to that is our humor. I don't know. We learned something about ourselves today. <laughs> Sound off people not from Canada. Is this, are we, yeah. 
Yeah. Is that a thing we're known for? Let us know. Yeah. I mean, but it, it was so funny to me because I'm like, well, my humor is dry and sarcastic, but it, you know, is that me or <laughs> anyway, I, I was just very tickled Maybe by this comment because I'm like thinking back to like my birthday post for you and how I always like to include one funny picture of you like doing kickboxing. I'm like, oh my God, maybe I am Ryan Reynolds. Maybe I'm just as douchey. (laughs) Oh man, self-awareness check. (laughs) Self-awareness check. But once again, it's not even the, they're, they're, they're off, you know, they're fine, whatever. But it's more just that I found, I'm not kidding when I say this, thousands of articles, uh, of talking about how they savagely roast each other. Like I literally, there were, there were about like 30 Google pages that I quickly scrolled through and every headline was that. So it's more just that everyone kind of gets up in arms, like just loves this sort of thing, just eats it up. And it's sort of the same thing with um, Dax and Kristen, except they're like, their spinoff of that is humor mixed in with radical honesty. Yeah. So what do you think of Dax by himself? Because I know you're a big fan of Idiocracy. Yeah. And he's in that, right? Like I've never, I still haven't seen it, but um, I I haven't really seen anything he's in, to be honest, except for like punked. (laughs) Well, I was actually going to say until you said that I forgot he was in Idiocracy, but I do still only think of him really as in punked. The guy with the headphones (laughs) in the room (laughs) being like, send in Ashton Kutcher. Which yeah, good for him. He spun gold out of that. Yeah, yeah. He was he was a good prankster on that show. Um, and Kristen Bell, like of the two of them, I I like most people. I prefer Kristen Bell. Like I I I watched Veronica Mars when I was a kid, and I I really liked it. She's like a intelligent, you know, sarcastic, beautiful detective who's in high school, and I was like, oh, love her. And then relatable, (laughs) relatable, and um, the the good place is a decent show I, I think she does a good job yeah. with it and and I've seen her she's perfect for a show like that yeah obviously Frozen is great <laughs> and I like her whenever I see her in a movie I'm happy she's there I think she's really likable um so separately pretty neutral about them but my favorite body of work of hers was when she went on the Ellen show and she had her meltdown over the sloth oh, the sloth yeah that made her a lot more likable and when she said- actually when she said that she cries anytime on the scale of emotions, she's below a three or above a seven, happy or sad. I was like, I'm glad you said that because <laughs> same. <laughs> yeah. I think we should get into their infamous headline grabbing fight that they discussed uh, both separately on Justin Long's podcast. Which one? I was going to say which infamous <laughs> fight because I feel true. No. I have a couple. I have a couple here that they've had, but this was this was described as an incredible blackout fight that happened during quarantine so basically she left a note for him and this is what the note said hey dad weird (laughs) right off the bat weird that she calls him dad (laughs) hey dad would you mind taking the two towels out of the dryer and folding them and then it had one other unspecified chore on the list and then he comes back at her when they next speak and says when you leave me notes, I feel really controlled. And she said he was so angry that like his nostrils were flaring. <laughs> and she said, okay, what's a way I can ask you to do things around the house that won't make you angry. And then she said it escalated immediately. They both blacked out, screamed at each other. And then she slept in another room and they didn't talk for three days. 
And then she says, I didn't get an apology, but I did get a dog. We never talked about that fight, but he has helped more around the house since then. And his version of the story is he found a list of shit I have to do on the counter. And he says, quote, hey, toots, I don't work for you, end quote. (laughs) And then um, he said they got into such a bad fight that he started planning for their divorce and moving out and splitting custody. And uh, yeah. And then he goes on to say, like, he's not concerned about gossip magazines or people like us, I guess, talking about their relationship potentially being bad because he has no insecurities about their relationship and says, even if she went on TV and said I was a horrible dad, it wouldn't bother me because I know I'm a great dad. I fix all the dude stuff around the house, but I don't do laundry and that's okay. Um, just the fact that he wouldn't care if she came out publicly and said he was a horrible dad was very weird to me. Well, what's, what's weird. The weirdest thing to me about that whole de- thing is Kristen saying we've, and we've never talked about it, but saying that in an interview, <laughs> yeah. like, do you mean you've never talked about it at all up until now, but you are also now telling the world about it, but you've never debriefed as a couple that to me is weird because the whole fact that it started about laundry to me doesn't actually really raise a red flag like Mm -hmm. simply because the fight is never what the fight is about you know Mm -hmm. like yeah that's so true it's never it's not about the dishes it's you know like usually couples Mm -hmm. biggest fights will start over something trivial but it's about something else and but it's more that it's like okay the blacking out uh the yeah they and she said she couldn't remember the fight and that that's like part of the reason why they'd never talked about it. Cause she literally blacked it out. That so. is scary. That's frightening to me to, yeah. to go, to be that out of control. It can happen. Sure. Like mm-hmm. neither of us have been in a 12 year partnership. So sure things happen, but then to never speak of it again and just get a dog. Yikes. Yeah. And like, you know, I, I actually do kind of get just getting over it individually and moving on but yeah to to then air it out is a bit odd I guess maybe they're trying to be like to other people like don't actually put us up on a pedestal as couple goals because we struggle a lot and I guess I do kind of understand that and like they talk a lot about therapy which I do respect well I also respect they're both individually on a mental health crusade like I appreciate you know how open Kristen is about her her mental health issues and and mm -hmm. she was sort of very vocal about that I think like before it was really cool and every celebrity was doing it um like she talked about her anxiety and depression and and Dax you know was very open about his addiction so they're both people that have individually had to go through so much therapy and then have said that they have to do it together so Mm -hmm. like yeah I I think that that's the best part of their relationship is that they are in extensive therapy and use the tools from therapy and I think that would benefit every single couple regardless of how happy oh, yeah. you would rate yourselves like c- learning each other's communication style is is so important and can only benefit people so i do vibe with that um one thing i've noticed is that he resents her for being like more attractive and more likable and he's made quite a bit of comments about that like so he has 3 million instagram followers and she has 15 million and he has talked about how like she wrote a nice post for him when he was 14 years sober and then she got like that story got picked up as a headline being like Kristen Bell writes adorable post for Dax about his accomplishment and he was like wow why is it something nice for you instead of me getting credit for my accomplishment of being sober 
And um, one doesn't cancel the other out, babe. Like, I know it's like, well, sorry, people love me. Like, what should she not like express like, but publicly that she's proud of him, but, but also saying, oh, that's a nice gesture she did for him. It's not saying we don't care about your sobriety or your Mm -hmm. accomplishments. Not every article is about you, but clearly he wants it to be on some level. Yeah. And he, he's like made some comment being like, look, if we ever did get divorced, I know that nobody would be on my side because she's like America's sweetheart. And I would just get dragged through the mud and stuff like that. And he, he even talked about the sloth video and he was like, that was my idea. That was my doing the nice thing. But then everyone liked you for your reaction. And like, I'm like, oof, I really, I've never felt like my partner wants to like dim my shine you know, or like competed for the spotlight with me. And I really think I'd have a problem with that. That is the biggest red flag to me too, because it's, I mean, okay, jealousy can come up or whatever, but if it does, I think then you have to examine why it's coming up. Like if you're jealous of your partner's accomplishments, you know, we all have thoughts that we don't want to have. (laughs) We all have unpleasant reactions to, to other people, especially the people closest to us, but then examine it. And mm-hmm. say, figure out what that says about you, because to me, um, being insecure and then your partner's accomplishments being a threat to you is no good. Like throw it it's, away. And it's not even her accomplishments. It's literally just people's reaction towards her. It's her popularity. Well, like, what's interesting about that is that her, she played, they, they are basically kind of the, the real life version of the, the couple she was in, in forgetting Sarah Marshall. Right. She yeah. she played this big star mm-hmm. of the show. And then what's his name? Jason Siegel. Jason yeah. Siegel. Yeah. Jason Siegel played the guy who does the audio for the show. And then he was the person who they're like, get the fuck off the red carpet. And like she's <laughs> handing, she's always like handing him her purse and, and taking photos. And 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 then he, he's like okay with it until he's not and blows yeah. up. And another thing that's coming to mind is he he was talking to, I think, to either on his podcast or Justin's podcast about how like one time um an interviewer just kind of casually said like wow you you just must be in awe of Kristen and he was like no she's just a person who takes a shit in the same toilet as I do (laughs) and it's like look I get it once you've been with someone for 12 years you're probably not gonna always feel in awe of them they are a person I do understand that but like just in terms of what you're putting out there in the world why can't you just be like yeah, I'm incredibly blessed and lucky and we're lucky to have found each other, but he always needs to put himself. He's like, what am I like? So ugly that she shouldn't be lucky to be with me. Like it's his ego is just so big. Yeah. And, and exactly. And like, you know, that's not my communication style. I am very sappy and I want, you know, I'm waiting for any excuse to talk about how much I love the people in my life. And so, you know, that would, that wouldn't be me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like another thing that she said was when he says something to me that I consider brutal or cutthroat or rude, I don't jump down his throat. I remember he's on my team. Brutal, cutthroat and rude. <laughs> yeah. I hate that. Yeah. When like I have a system in place for all the times that my partner says rude things about me. That yeah. is not good (laughs) and she she tries so hard to be fair to him even when she's discussing her her view of that fight she says he's not here so he can't defend himself this is just my side I try not to react when he does this and that like I try to control myself you know she's she's almost like 
what, what would you call that when someone's constantly being like, oh, I probably picked the fight or maybe I deserved it. That kind of like a woman self-talk. Yeah, <laughs> really. I mean, you know, not to generalize, but I do feel like we are so conditioned to take the hit, to make everyone feel comfortable at our expense, even if it makes us uncomfortable and to just always placate the situation, always be like, well, it's okay. I'll make it right. Or it's fine. Or no, I'm, I'm no, I'm not bothered. Like I'm not taking up room. And, and I, you know, you read all the time that this is especially, um, can be an issue for powerful women who make, you know, more money or have more fame or attention than their partner. Then she like, she tries to like shrink herself a bit so that he doesn't feel. Yeah. And, and is very accommodating. And, you know, with the whole astrology thing, like uh, cancer sons, they will bleed out for the people in their lives, you know, for better, for worse. Mm -hmm. They, you know, they'll, they'll, when they really love someone, they will uh, like, I think probably more than any other sign could like hurt themselves, you know, in order to care for the people in their life. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Yeah, another interesting quote that I thought he made on Justin Long's podcast was he said, if he had been as successful as he wanted to be in his acting career, he would never have made space in his life to be with Kristen in the first place. So he was kind of phrasing it as like a, um, like a a blessing in disguise kind of thing. But that, that sort of made me be like, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, that's not good at all. And what, what's always this interesting debate in my mind is the issue of how much trouble should there be within your relationship because every Mm. relationship has issues and especially long-term relationships but of course and everyone knows that and everyone says it takes work but where is that line 
and it's different for everyone. It's different for everyone, what they choose to put up with and how much percentage of fighting to happy times is okay for them. And like every single relationship is going to go through good months and bad months or good years and bad years. I, actually, Danny Pellegrino just did um, an interview about his relationship where they said, what's your advice? And his, and his, his uh, advice was, um, remember in a long-term relationship, you'll have good years and bad years, but hopefully the good years will outweigh the bad. And I thought that was, that was refreshing. Yeah. That's, that's just an honest reflection of long-term relationships. Like you're going to trigger each other. You're going to argue and how you come through that and how much respect you keep for each other is really, really important. And, but yeah, the good times is the most important thing. And I, it sounds like their relationship has a lot of good times too. And that's the part yeah. that they don't talk about. And we don't get to see is, is like, how much of the time are they laughing with their family? Are they having a great time? I guess for them that does outweigh the bad times we hope and yeah. presume. Well, Kristen is very big on writing these. She also writes very long, you know, loving sappy, like we, you know, we love you so much and you're the most amazing dad and the most amazing everything. Like she, she has written a lot of those. And I remember her re- reading her, her post about his sobriety and talking about, you know, how inspiring that was. And I, I thought, I, I thought that was nice because, um, you know, if, if you've had problems with addiction, no matter how many years you've been sober, you have to constantly work at at it, which, you know, we, we saw like by, you know, the fact that he had a a relapse shortly after, and he said, you know, he came clean to Kristen, she was really supportive. So that to me is that's, that's positive. And, and, and that's why I don't label, I don't want to really label people or relationships as toxic. I think that labels easy to just slap onto something. Mm -hmm. Um, because of, like, we're not saying like, oh, they don't love each other. No. They don't, you know, have great times with their family and their kids. But it, I, all, we, I, all we can think is like, would we want to be in a relationship like this? And for me, it's a no. Yeah, it's a no for me. And and what I think about is actually, for some reason, <laughs> the best relationship advice that I think of constantly was when I was in university, I was 21 and I was in this this intense, tumultuous relationship and I was asking advice of someone in my class who was like a mature student. She was 10 years older than me. And she had come back. She's like, listen, it shouldn't be that hard. And I was like, what exactly. do you mean? I was like, what do you mean? But we, we had a fight. That's normal. She's like, no, no, it should not be that hard. She's like, look, I've been with my partner for nine years. Um, sure. The first couple of years, you have to work out a lot of stuff about your differences. Mm-hmm. She's like, at a, but then it kind of levels out. And at a certain point, no, it really should not be that hard. And that's something that in all of this, like everyone trying to be honest and vulnerable, whatever, we kind of lose sight of the fact that it's like, you're supposed to be having fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just having a overall good time hopefully the majority of the time. Yeah. And, and really when you see your partner at their best, like it just feels so much like love and admiration. And I would say, awe, like being like, wow, like those moments where it hits you that like, you're so lucky to be with someone, like you should be feeling that. And when they're at their best, if you kind of want to take away from that, that that's a sign that either, you know, something's wrong with the relationship or or just within yourself that you should probably address. (laughs) Yeah. And like, I don't know if this is just me being cheesy or if this is like what a a dynamic should be, but to me, it's like, if you're living together and 
um, you know, they left the cupboard doors open. Like you're not going to be feeling like loving and sappy in that moment. But then if you step out and do an interview and that interviewer is like, aren't they amazing? Like that to me should be a prompt to be like, oh yeah, they really are. Like, yeah, I'm really proud of them. Yeah. But and not be like, actually, like, why aren't you asking me about me? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Something that I wanted to (laughs) talk about was Mm -hmm. all of this can be captured in the long history of long Instagram captions. (laughs) And I've had this theory for a while of, you know, the longer the Instagram caption, the more trouble there is in your relationship. And then like, not to say if you write one or two, whatever, that, you know, things are amiss, but if every single thing that you ever post about your relationship is a multi-paragraph essay on all the layers and all the fights and all the love, I think, uh, something's not right. And I was talking about this online and I wish I had saved this comment because I can't find it now. Someone commented and said I'm that they were doing their PhD in sociology on this very topic and said that there's actually research proving that the more people talk about their relationship publicly online, the more actually there there is a struggle. Like that is struggle. so interesting. I, I love that. I would love to read that paper when it's done. I can't wait. I know. <laughs> like it's, that but it's like it, in the loop. Yeah, I know. But it's like thou doth protest too much. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Because you're trying to convince yourself as well as everyone else in your life when you're trying to put that front out there. It's like, guys, you need to know that like, yes, this relationship is tumultuous, but like, I'm so in love and like wanting people to give you sort of validation about your relationship that like, oh, that's normal. And that's okay. Ups and downs are normal and okay. But, um, we, we all have friends that are in relationships that are absolutely exhausting and just filled with fights. And, um, it's not what we want for them as a friend. Like you hear about all the red flags and the fights and you're just like, Oh, I'm tired for you. Well, and that's, and that's it too, is that generally when you're in a relationship and things are going well, there isn't actually much to say. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's, it's, it's like, how's it going? It's like, how's it going? Good. Yeah. Really good. (laughs) Exactly. And it's normal to keep your relationship off social media. Like I think a lot of the happiest couples, like don't post shit together on social media and maybe don't even, one of them doesn't have it, or they don't have many pictures together. Like all that is very normal and points to a very happy relationship. Whereas the opposite where you're constantly doing like couples photo shoots, a la Sheena Shea, is like a sign that like things are maybe a little rocky. Yeah. If every week you do a weekly vlog and a weekly Instagram uh, story series about how much fun you're having in your relationship, uh, you might actually not be having that much fun. (laughs) Yeah. It might be more of a performance and less of you actually being in the moment and enjoying the the chemistry and the bond that you have with that person. Um, Going back to that comment thread about there being actual research to back up this theory, there were all these people being like, you know, my friend, is posting every other day on Facebook, <laughs> which that's red flag. <laughs> oh God. Posting on Facebook, period. <laughs> uh, posting on Facebook about anything. <laughs> Although we love a messy Facebook rant. There's nothing juicier oh, yeah. <laughs> and more unhinged. But but yeah, they're like, they're posting every other day um, you know, about how amazing things are, but then they they vent constantly to me about uh how they want to leave and all the all the shit that they've broken. <laughs> when they got mad at each other and it's like yeah it it's it's something that you need to talk a lot about when there are issues and you're conflicted and pulled in all different directions that that's when you need to have these six hour debriefs with your friends and then be like you know write an essay about why you should stay and 
yeah. and whatever. Whereas if you're happy, you're just happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I did listen to some of his podcast as research for this. And I listened to one that Kristen was on and they get into an argument about the documentary Woodstock 99, which we also watched. And it's definitely something to like bring about hot takes. I thought it was an incredible documentary, but anyway, that's, that, it's not about me. <laughs> and, and to, to preface this, this documentary shows like, um, all these like white teen boys that went to Woodstock 99 and ended up causing riots. And there was a, a rash of sexual assaults and it was, um, really disturbing to watch. It was, it was, yeah, it was all this pent up rage that spilled over in all these horrific moments of like uncontrolled, <laughs> like, yeah, this uncontrolled, like outburst of a festival ironically at a festival called Woodstock (laughs) Dax is talking about how like teen boys go through like such intense rush of hormones and testosterone and he says that women telling boys their behaviors are bad is offensive (laughs) and she says that biology is no excuse and that guys should hold each other to account within their own groups when someone starts acting out and Kristen's saying that like when her and her friends are complaining they're they feel safe enough to ask each other if they're on their periods anyway so he just keeps being like it's kind of natural all this like rage and like urges that boys have and maybe they could be conscripted into some sort of sport or take a medication or or, like leave society for a bit (laughs) to deal with it instead and like I'm just like what this is such a dumb argument I hated listening to it and he was kind of like equating boys, like essentially rioting and sexually assaulting people to girls being like snappy on their periods. And he just does not drop it. I and like, hate that. I hate it. The, ex- the explaining away any sort of behavior from, oh, young men are filled with hormones. You know who else is filled with hormones? Everyone <laughs> when they're young, like every single person and like women and all genders, women and non-binary folks tend to be better at masking that because it's not safe for them to let it out because when they do, people hold them to a higher standard and don't explain it away as much. And to me, Dax saying that is just this like pseudo modern psychology way of saying boys will be boys, you know? Yeah. And you could tell this was like something that constantly comes up between them is like that alpha male dynamic like where he just wants to have like a hot take and like win an argument and like even though he knows he's kind of I think on some level he must know he has a shit argument and he's being annoying like he just wants to like be heard and like I don't know I really didn't get why you would even bother doing devil's advocate in any way for the behavior of the boys in the documentary which mm, they should be uh, yeah, they should be removed from society. My yeah, a documentary, or it was a it was a festival filled with like Columbine shooters, basically. Oh yeah, yeah, that was the energy, and like, I get that like we can't actually like jail everyone for pre crime for being like an annoying teenage boy filled with rage and hormones. No, and who's gonna... we can want them to get help and have a better outlet and have society that accepts their emotions more, but at the same time saying, oh well, they can't help themselves. And what we just have to, and, or we don't have as many hormones or we just have them on our periods. Like, no, actually (laughs) we're going through just as much and sure. You know, it's more, it's more acceptable for women to cry still. And, you know, they say show emotions, but this whole, even the way that we are characterized 
we characterize the gender's emotions is out of whack because it's like, oh, women are emotional on their periods. They cry, they, you know, they'll get snappy. Um, What about men punching holes in the drywall or like smashing their TV when their team loses? Anger is not an emotion. We're all just pumped with hormones and we're all looking for outlets for our emotions. Yeah. So you don't get a get out of jail free card for that. No. And I I think she did have a powerful point buried in there about the importance of boys holding each other to account for inappropriate behavior within their own groups and checking each other because often men will only listen to other men. Sensitive kings rise up. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and you don't have to be sensitive to say, Hey man, that's not cool. Like, you you don't hey have man. to be anything other raping than someone raping someone isn't cool like maybe don't grope those girls that are crowd surfing like and maybe don't burn down like all the like scaffolding at this festival maybe don't take the candles that they gave you to do a heartfelt vigil for the columbine victims uh and take them and then burn every burn stages to the ground yeah, for truly no reason. Like it it was not any sort of righteous or or political motivation behind these acts of destruction. It was just to be scary. <laughs> What's their only motivation? <laughs> yeah, it was just to be scary. And I thought it was a really um what I loved about that documentary was the way that it kind of captured the sort of temperature of the 90s in terms of just mm-hmm. how it started out as very much a peace and love kind of decade like you had um all this subversive content you had you know Kurt Cobain in a dress and and things like that and you know um Lilith Fair Lilith Fair and that sort of thing and and yeah these like kind of beautiful safe like expressions of emotion and then it just quickly spiraled the second half of the decade turned into just this like limp biscuit is king um we just we're just here to fuck shit up we don't give a fuck but like it's all these white boys it's all these mediocre white boys and who who are now told that they're violent like their violent urges are okay and they can all go to a concert and punch each other out yeah and I mean I know people are going to be pissed about this but I have to say there is no more horrendous vibe in the world than 5,000 plus white men gathered in one space um it shouldn't be allowed (laughs) and sorry if you think that's beautiful then you're this might not be the podcast for you so (laughs) yeah like we've both been to Shambhala many times (laughs) and been in places where that is the crowd and even though they're not being violent and tearing shit up um the energy is strung out on too many psychedelics unchecked in their like cultural appropriation they take up so much space they're completely selfish and unaware this isn't by listen this is an edm festival we're talking about in the forest yeah in canada yeah (laughs) just Um, just to set the stage here but yeah I, i i love how in in recent years online i've seen this um trend of talking about how when white men do psychedelics it really just stokes their ego or they discover empathy and think that they're really doing something <laughs> yeah they're like i had this epiphany that other people have feelings and then my feelings will affect their feelings <laughs> yeah it took that much acid for you to come to that realization my god <laughs> did you witness any epiphanies like that in the uh help tent <laughs> 
uh the yeah uh yeah i worked the harm reduction tent um actually what was very interesting about seeing that play out in the harm reduction tent so just to explain that it's basically the place where i was a support worker for people that are going through psychological distress because of uh you know all the drugs they took so non-medical emergencies basically and what was really interesting about that was seeing all the bros because there were a lot of bros coming down from the the, the tar sands like working the oil yeah. fields like oil rig boys so like really roughneck guys who've mm-hmm. come down done all these drugs and they need help like they're completely incapacitated but they won't accept it but they also need it so they'd be sitting there <laughs> bothering everyone around them grabbing people and being like <laughs> and and us being like hey do you want something to eat do you want to lay down no I don't need your help <laughs> but they also can't walk and we're like yeah babe, come, there's a couch, just walk two feet over here. Stop harassing people that are coming into this tent. Like just, just keep your hands to yourself and just take a little rest. (laughs) I literally had a bro who was in that state. Uh, I, who I was offering him something to drink. And I was like, do you want to just like, I'm trying to calm him down. He's like, I didn't come here to get your charity. I didn't come here for your help. As he was saying this, I was unwrapping the straw of a juice box and I put it in the (laughs) juice box and I handed it to him. And as he was going on his rant, he picked up the juice box and started like sucking down. He's like, I didn't come here. I didn't come here for your charity work. (laughs) I'm like, and then he had his juice box and he did calm down. I was like, yeah, you know what? Do you want this sweater too? You're all wet. Like he was, he'd been in the rain. <laughs> and, and he's like grumbling, putting it on, and and you could see him <laughs> settling down. But it was just, it was very interesting. But even completely stripped away, there was still just this core that would not dissolve of like the I don't reactive need help. ego. Like it's mm-hmm. like as they're like regressing to age two, they still have to be like, I don't need a bitch helping me. <laughs> But yeah. they're like shivering and you're like wrapping a blanket around them. yeah 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 or actually and then it's funny too because like I mean they're also like it's it is very interesting what you see when people are stripped away because I also had you know bros that were non-verbal for hours and the first thing that they said uh when they came to was asking me for my number <laughs> like <laughs> their horniness perseveres they like come out of a coma Uh, I'm like you know maybe now is not the best moment (laughs) but yeah anyway just to bring it back to (laughs) Kristen and Dax it is they are really playing out these sort of tropes that I wish we didn't have to see so much in men and women like women apologizing and explaining away a lot of behavior and men you know having their delicate egos bruised this whole like we're being honest about our, our lives is a very double edge like it, it is nice to strip away this perfect image that we put on but then when people get a little too radical that's when it goes into me being like all right babe <laughs> how you doing yeah are you actually <laughs> do you need are you okay are you yeah blink twice for help because I am not a relationship psychologist, but it seems like blacking out over trivial matters is probably not great. And also the, like in every interview, having to qualify your relationship by saying how much work it takes also to me reads red flag. Um, and I want to discuss their astrology 
Oh, uh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, I thought you'd never ask. Let me. <laughs> so Let me... she's a Cancer Sun and Mercury, so that makes a lot of sense with the crying. Um, a Libra Moon, Gemini Venus, and a Libra Mars as well. So she's just air and water. Um, and his astrology is Mars and Sagittarius, Virgo Moon. And a Capricorn, Sun, Mercury, and Venus. So he's got a Capricorn stellium. Um, so he's fire and earth. So they're literally astrologically complete opposites. Yeah, which sometimes can't be distilled into just, oh, you're opposites. Because sometimes having opposite signs complement each other. Totally. The direct opposition sign to you, like across the wheel from each other, are supposed to be complementary. And that is what they are. Their sun signs oppose each other. So they are supposed to have that like twin flame attraction and connection. Which Um, twin flame, the way that's used is usually to describe this sort of dynamic where it's like couples with these long Instagram captions that talk about fighting all the time, love each other. Like what is a twin flame that's just not not just a couple that just argues constantly? (laughs) Yeah, but stays together. Well, to me, to me, couple astrology compatibility, I look first to the Venus Mm -hmm. and then also to the Mars compatibility and a Gemini Venus plus a Capricorn Venus is not compatible Mm. to me. That's, that's my big red flag. Capricorn Venus to me, like Venus, like the way you love your heart. It's like, um, that is just so practical and kind of dry and very logical and thought out and you kind of you do stick it through like Capricorns will stick things through whether it kills them or not like if they decide to dedicate themselves to a project like you know they could be (laughs) they could have their arms falling off and they're like well I'll do with my feet you know like they'll just they'll they'll see something through Mm -hmm. to the end for better or worse and Gemini Venus is very flighty and sort of darting around and but also wanting that partnership mm-hmm. like what are, what are your yeah well I'm a Gemini Venus as well um and I would say uh-huh. that 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 just means like <laughs> I love an intellectual connection in a partner and she often like speaks about that how she really really likes their like verbal sparring and stuff and I get that but what I think stands mm-hmm. out to me is that she has a Libra moon and a Libra Mars so to me that means like her deepest emotional center and like what she's attracted to in a masculine energy is going to be sort of a intellectual and very fair, balanced, justice focused person. And then I see him with his like Mars and Sagittarius. And I think that is quite a tough match, like, cause he wants to win and he's really, really fiery. And like him and his friends describe him as like arrogant and bombastic. And then <laughs> bombastic, she has this like great word. Yeah. And, and she has that strong cancer energy of just wanting to like nurture and protect and like love her family and be really connected. And like, then his like Capricorn stellium is all about like rationality. And then the, he has a Sag wanting to like dominate and win in arguments. Yeah. So I, I see her like having a lot of ultra feminine energy Yeah. with Cap, with uh, cancer and Libra and him having a lot of really masculine energy with Capricorn and Sag. And so I see they, they like that about each other, but I've also heard her quoted as being like, I usually don't like alpha males and he's such an alpha that it's tough for me to like put up with him. Well, and they always say we're complete opposites and it takes a tremendous amount of work and therapy for us to coexist. Yeah, I know. No, exactly. And for me, the main thing that stands out to me with all of Kristen's Libra energy is 
being extremely sensitive and anxious. That's, mm-hmm. that's one of the sort of downsides of having those types of lever placements is those people are picking up on everything in the room. They're sponges, you know, they're kind of always apologizing for things. I know Ariana Grande has Libra moon and she, they're, they have to be introverts because they're so sensitive. They kind of need to be at home because they're so affected by everything around them. Whereas Capricorn and Sagittarius energy is quite insensitive. It does not. Yeah. And we, we both feel the same way where we think Sagittarian energy is completely misrepresented in pop culture where it's like they're fun and love to travel and it's like okay but also they will say things that are just straight up mean and laugh about it (laughs) and move on yeah yeah totally like they'll lash out in anger or in humor (laughs) with the same amount of cruelty like and I like with Taylor Swift and Britney Spears both being Sagittarius like I think we've seen (laughs) them come for people like Brittany coming for Jamie Lynn's throat this week and saying three separate times that she wishes she could beat her. Yeah. That's, that's physically that's Sagittarian energy at its best. You've directed yeah. in a positive direction. And the way Taylor Swift like weaponizes her fans, like when she wrote that open letter to like Scooter yeah. and Yael on, on Tumblr. And she was basically like, kill them Swifties. <laughs> like, like, get them, bring me their heads. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Like she doesn't protect people. She's willing to just docs and slay someone if she's mad at them yeah and Um, so and so that is somewhat the place that dax is coming from like you know they they have this photo from their wedding um where you know Kristen is hysterically crying and he's like laughing at her and it's like whatever like that that doesn't bother me so much but i do think that captures their relationship and their spirits like Mm -hmm. yeah she you know with a cancer with a cancer sun and a Libra moon. Like, how could you not be crying all the time and so sensitive? And with mm-hmm. all this Capricorn energy, how could you not be like laughing at that? <laughs> I mean, like, all right, get it together. <laughs> we got we got a marriage contract to sign. Yeah. Yeah. And um sending nothing but love and light to them both, obviously. So we send love and light. Yes, we send love and light out to our fellow humans, mm-hmm. especially ones that are just <laughs> open about their struggles like us like the rest of us but also we're doing a little wellness check and now a sneak peek of this week's patreon episode about azalea banks this snippet featuring her fight with lana del rey i'm getting douche chills having to read this okay (laughs) lana replies azalea you know the addy pull up anytime say it to my face but if i were you i wouldn't i would not I won't not fuck you the fuck up, period, <laughs> Banks. You could have been the greatest female rapper alive, but you blew it. Don't take it out on the only uh, person who had your back. The only person who had your back? Wow. <laughs> okay. Wow. Look, well, I'm going to go on and then we will unpack. So then Azalea says, first, we need to call the surgeon who did her pointy Michael Jackson nose and ask for some Kybella. She needs to invest in a waist trainer. Lana comes back with, I'll send you my surgeon's number and a good psychiatrist. I know your psych meds aren't working. Hashtag you need a new cocktail. Okay. (laughs) All right. Wow. Where do we even begin with that? I don't know. I mean, I guess they did have some kind of friendship at some point. Like, 
and liked each other's music and stuff and had like made comments about that. I, I think it's a bit much for Lana to say the one person who had your back, like what in the world? Yeah. I think that's a lot for <laughs> like anyone to say about anyone else. It's like, she's, that's... she's, she's giving white savior in yeah. a big way. Yeah. Let me tell you what the culture needs. And as your only friend and supporter, like it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. But then, yeah, but they're both like, but then uh, Azalea Banks had to go and call her fat. But Why? I like, well, I mean, also like, yeah, uh, no, many wrongs not make you right. But like for, I love like Lana Del Rey being like, pull up, you get oh, the Addy. You, you know like, the Addy? Pull up anytime, say it to my face. But if I were you, I wouldn't. <laughs> I won't not fuck you the fuck up, period. <laughs> like that, that coming from Lana Del Rey's mouth. Can you imagine her saying that? I am screaming. Like I'm picturing her doing that twirl on SNL, but like twirling qu- <laughs> like so quickly that she like whacks her. Like, what is she going to do? What's her move? Like, what, what does she think? <laughs> she actually thinks if Azalea Banks pulled up to her house that Lana Ray would beat the shit out of her and win a fight. Like, babe, Azalea Banks fights every flight she, attendant she meets. She bit she, a security guard in the boob. Yeah, she's like, not afraid of you. No, and nor is I don't think anyone physically like. No, what Lana Del Rey can fight, please, bitch, yeah, please. yeah, no. yeah. Um, okay, so that happened. Um, that happened, and unfortunately, <laughs> I like I love to see a good old fashioned cat fight. Ah. Uh, I think women should be able to fight as yeah, much as men. Equality. I believe in equality. Yes, equality. But like calling each other fat and crazy, ladies, we can do better. We can do a lot better. Yeah. Ladies, stick to uh t- <laughs> talking about you're gonna beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I want to move on to I would say her most unexpected feud. Uh, and this in, is probably my fave, my fave which, feud. which is Azalea versus the country of Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for today's episode. If you like what you hear, hit us with a five-star review, subscribe, share the episode and follow us on Instagram. Follow me at it's become a whole thing. Follow Sam at Sammy whole thing. Let's get our girl into the, the, the triple digit, triple digits, you know, like we're at like a solid 78 followers 78 strong but like we're going into we're going for a hundo um and yeah follow me on tiktok it's become a whole thing and we'll see you next week of the bongman's emerald want to get a chiseled look in the jawline sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from juvederm volux xc juvederm volux xc is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with juvederm volux xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist visit juvederm.com that's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.